Welcome to the Market Pulse podcast from Equifax, where we break down the latest economic and credit insights to help you navigate today's business landscape. Welcome to the Market Pulse podcast from Equifax. Today on the Market Pulse Monthly, we're going to focus on the continuing pandemic relief with a deeper dive into the second round of stimulus. We'll also take a look at the third round of relief that may be on the horizon. I'm your host, Teresa Fries, and our guest this week is Chris Dorides, Deputy Chief Economist at Moody's Analytics. Chris, welcome back, and thank you again for joining me today. Thank you so much, Teresa. Always a pleasure. Thank you. So let's start with the current round of stimulus that took effect at the end of December. There are a few more common elements of the package, such as the one-time checks, unemployment, and PPP. want to take just a few minutes to really dig down into these elements a little bit deeper than perhaps we did on the webinar last week. Certainly. So to my mind, there are really three main components to that package. Uh, One was uh, pandemic relief. So there was some additional support provided to vaccine distribution, testing, and tracing. And we know that that remains front and center in terms of resolving this current crisis and getting us to a place where the economy can grow. So the pandemic has to be dealt with first, first of all. But in addition to that, that uh, that $900 billion package right at the end of December was critical because we, we were facing a number of programs that were set to expire. So there really was this so-called fiscal cliff where you could have seen a number of households being evicted. You could have seen a number of houses uh, households losing out on their unemployment insurance benefits. And so that plan provided some household financial support as well, right? So the one-time stimulus checks and expanded uh, unemployment insurance. And then finally, it provided some uh, some support for small businesses, which remain uh, critical to the to the recovery as well. And as we as we know, many small businesses continue to to suffer, particularly those that are really exposed to say lockdown measures, retailers, restaurants. So the the idea was to provide some additional PPP or paycheck uh, protection uh, program funding to give them a little bit of a lifeline as well. And so if we look at each one of these elements a little more detail with the one-time check, I believe it was 1200 in the first round. Is it 600 this round? Yep, 600 this round uh, for individuals earning less than $75,000. And then it gets phased out after that. Jumping over to the unemployment benefits, I know there were some changes there from the first round as well. Let's take just a minute to, to dig in a little bit and unpack the unemployment um, benefits this round. Yep, so largely it's an extension right? The, as I mentioned, unemployment insurance benefits were set to expire or had already expired uh, for, for many individuals. And so this um, stimulus bill extended those UI benefits out for 11 weeks. That gets us into uh, March timeframe. So again, buys us some time, buys households some time as we ramp up our vaccinations and hopefully deal with the pandemic itself. And I think there was an element there too that's a continuation for the gig economy or those who are self-employed as well. That's right. That's right. That was a, that's also a, a critical piece of the puzzle here uh, because there are a number of people who are working but they don't uh, they don't typically qualify for those state-run unemployment insurance benefit programs. And so this was a special benefit that uh, Congress created to provide some support for folks who are self-employed who aren't part of that uh, UI benefit or unemployment insurance benefit system. Chris, we've talked a number of times too about how a lot of folks have been using this, the, you know, whether it's the one-time check or the additional uh, benefits of the unemployment insurance to pay down a lot of their debt um, and not necessarily taking out additional. 
with our listeners being predominantly lenders and service providers to this podcast, you know, what kind of impacts does this second round of stimulus have, positive or negative? What kind of impacts does it have potentially to our listeners? So I would say it's largely positive for the uh, consumer credit lender, right? This puts more money, more, more money in folks' pockets, uh, gives them again a little bit of a lifeline here. The households are by and large, I believe, going to pay down some debt and reserve some of the cash that they may be receiving for that uh, for that rainy day or for that emergency. So I still see a household that is uh, quite precautionary. I don't see many households rushing out at this point. And, saying, okay, I'm going to take on a lot more debt. Uh, this is uh, this is critical funding for a number of the lower to moderate income households. Again, to extend their uh, household finances, get them to a point where as the pandemic recovers, they can re-engage with the economy, see that there are job opportunities out there, and that then would lead to some further uh, credit growth. That's probably a Q3, Q4 uh, story though. It's the benefit is really on, on the payment performance side, right? This puts more monies in people's pockets, allows them to make those monthly payments or continue making those monthly payments. As we shift gears to the payment protection plan, the PPP, and how that impacts small business, the, the additional benefits um, from the second round of stimulus, share with us a little bit more insight there and in, in the additional benefits that have been provided, if you will. This most recent round provides about $280 billion worth of uh, PPP uh, loans, right? So these are loans that may turn into figurable uh, grants, provided that that small businesses don't lay off individuals. So it's it's really designed to protect the payroll, as as the uh, as the name implies. So this is additional funding. This latest round also, I believe, addresses some of the limitations or learnings, if you will, from the from the uh, from the previous round, in that it's more targeted to really the smallest of the small uh, businesses. The rules, perhaps, in the first round or second round, wasn't weren't as clear as uh, they could have been, and that we provide a lot of support to businesses that perhaps weren't the smallest and uh, perhaps had other means uh, available to them. With this latest round, we're really targeting. Uh, support to the to these micro businesses, if you will, making sure that it's the mom and pop businesses that are getting the support that they desperately need uh, to to make it through this difficult time. And I like what you shared there too, Chris. You mentioned that it's really you know they can't lay off folks. It's it's really to to protect that payroll. So not only is it protecting or helping the mom and pops survive during this time, but it's also helping to ensure that income of the individuals that are employed by those small businesses. That's exactly right. That's that's the idea. We don't want these businesses to go under, uh, certainly because of the direct immediate impact on the folks on the payroll and the business owners. But then the idea is also to protect these small businesses so that when the recovery does come and we, we, uh, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, when we are in that recovery mode, those businesses are around and can quickly expand and and help us to recover more quickly. We don't have to create a lot of new businesses from scratch uh, at that point. So it's, to my mind, a, a really a vital uh, program that we need to ensure that longer term sustainability. Right. And so Chris, we've talked about a few of the things that are in. What is missing? What's not in that second round of stimulus? So I think the biggest thing that's missing is aid to state and local governments. And this has been a sticking point between the Democrats and uh, Republicans. So no, no money was allocated there. What we do know is that state and local governments are under tremendous financial pressure as well. Right? It's not just the businesses or the small businesses, but these state and local governments, which employ a lot of teachers, 
uh, police officers, other first responders, they're under financial pressure because on the one hand, they don't have the income coming in, right? Sales taxes, property taxes are all down because of lack of activity in the economy. And at the same time, they're dealing with the COVID crisis, right? They're, they are truly on the front lines, providing services uh, to folks who need them. So that's raising their costs as well. So they're in a squeeze. There's a lot of politics, uh, of course, around that state and local government uh, support. But at the end of the day, what we can see and we, what we saw in the most recent labor market report is that there are uh, over a million people who have been laid off by in-state and local government. And that certainly does translate into weakness in the economy overall, lower spending, right? It's a, certainly a drag. So expectation is that there will be some additional support coming in in a further round of stimulus that President Biden will be will be introducing. So that might be a good transition point then to talk about that third round of stimulus that's being proposed. And I think that you, you know, as you mentioned, a good bit of that proposal is around what was missing in round two, um, the state and local government benefit there. So tell us a little bit more about what you see in that third round that's being proposed right now. So this is a uh, comprehensive uh, bill that President-elect, and I guess by the time you're hearing this, it'll be President Biden. Um, it's a $1.9 trillion uh, package, which that number alone should give you a sense of the scope we're talking about here, right? The the CARES Act from last year was a little over $2 trillion. So this isn't quite as big as that package, but it's still quite substantial. It just emphasizes how much work is left to be done here. It's also, you know, double the size of the $800 billion package that was passed uh, back during the great financial crisis. So again, it's, it's indicating that there's quite a bit of um, support that is uh, that is needed or that the president believes is needed uh, to get the economy moving again. The, in terms of the contents of the stimulus, it's, it's a little bit more of the same in terms of uh, additional support for the pandemic uh, relief. So additional uh, monies allocated for vaccinations and protective equipment and testing and tracing. Uh, some additional support for households. So another round of uh, stimulus checks, additional extensions of unemployment insurance, uh, additional support for, for small businesses the state and local government uh, financing that, that we mentioned. So there's a proposal for $350 billion worth of financing there. And then there is a, really a focus on additional programs to support everything we need to support the economy when we get to the recovery phase. So things like childcare, uh, school uh, support, all the components that are needed to get people back uh, into the labor force and working again. And then finally, we could talk about what here, what's missing from this program as well, which is infrastructure, but that's uh, that's also a, a key component that uh, President Biden has laid out in terms of future uh, stimulus as well. So there's a lot in here. The round four might be more of that infrastructure potentially, or for sure, for sure, okay. that's already uh, that's already being telegraphed. And obviously, there's a lot of debate here. Right, this is just a proposal at this point; nothing's been passed, but uh, it does indicate that. The Biden administration certainly views that uh, additional stimulus is needed to support the economy. Certainly. What time frame are we looking for for that third round of stimulus, do you think? So I'm expecting that the president will be, well, well he's already circulating the proposal. I'm expecting that Congress and the Senate are going to take this up in short order. Lots of things on the agenda around the docket, but there will be uh, some executive actions that are taken immediately, such as extending the uh, foreclosure and, and eviction uh, moratorium. I I expect that to occur soon after uh, the president takes office. And then I do expect that we will have debate on this uh, package in short order. I expect something would be passed with, at, in February with 
potentially checks going out within a few weeks and then the other packages being rolled out over the next few months. But certainly time is of the essence. That's what we learned during the last crisis and even this crisis. So I do expect things to, to move quite quickly on this, um, on this proposal. If we think about the two rounds plus the one coming up and we think about their objectives around really helping us get through this pandemic, the, you know, the objectives are the same. The focus may be different. And you and I've had discussions before, and I like how you succinctly capture how the focus is different of each. Can you just recap that for us? I see four key objectives in this uh, stimulus proposal. First is dealing with the pandemic. Again, front and center, got to have to deal with COVID. Second of all is immediate economic assistance. So provide support to households and, and small businesses that are right on the edge, that are really struggling uh, to make ends meet. We have food insecurity, uh, housing insecurity issues that we need to address immediately. So think of those as the acute cases. So providing some uh, support through unemployment insurance or direct checks to to help there. Third is addressing barriers to recovery, right? So there are issues uh, certainly around childcare, for example, that are preventing women, for example, with small children at home from rejoining the labor force. So that childcare support is really designed to, to deal with that. And then finally, as I mentioned, there's trying to boost demand for the long term. There's so, perhaps a few flavors of that in this proposal, but it, that's really the infrastructure bill that I expect will be in the next round. So as we're thinking about how this feeds into your scenarios and your forecasts, you know, what do you see on the horizon as far as impact to consumer as well as even the small businesses? What do you see on the horizon in your forecasts? The answer really depends on what actually is passed, of course, right? Because this is a proposal, you know, 1.9 trillion. There will be some negotiation here, even though the Democrats control the House and Senate. There are certainly some Democrats that are uh, more fiscally um, conservative than others. Some are that are more concerned about taking on additional debt, right? So I, I wouldn't expect all 1.9 trillion dollars of this package to be passed in in total. So if we narrow that down to say a trillion, let's cut it in half. Our baseline forecast would suggest that we will continue to see unemployment falling with this additional support, and the economy will uh, pick up uh, in the third and fourth quarters of this year. And that's really predicated on this uh, idea that the pandemic relief here is going to be successful in helping us to get our cases down and uh, COVID deaths down, and that's going to do a lot to restore confidence, get people comfortable engaging with the economy once again. So I see short term, certainly if you're thinking about the next year or two, these stimulus packages are going to have a very therapeutic uh, benefit, lead to additional growth, additional healing of the uh, of the uh, labor market, which is so important. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Teresa. That was Chris Dorides, Deputy Chief Economist at Moody's Analytics. We hope you enjoyed today's more conversational episode of Market Pulse and got some additional insights on the stimulus package. To access the latest consumer credit and small business insights, contact your Equifax account executive today or visit us online at equifax.com forward slash business. You might also enjoy checking out moodyseconomy.com for the latest economic updates. Be sure to check our show notes for more details on how to access those sites. And if you enjoyed the insight shared today, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast series. And please post a review. Let us know how we're doing. And to suggest topics for future podcasts or the Market Pulse webinar series, you can also email us at marketpulsepodcast at equifax.com. Speaking of webinars, in case you missed our January 
14th webinar. You'll find a replay at equifax.com forward slash market pulse. You can access a replay of any of our market pulse webinars, as well as a copy of the slide decks and our latest credit trends weekly reports as well. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you once again to Chris Dorides from Moody's Analytics. And be sure to tune in next time for the next Market Pulse podcast from Equifax. The information and opinions provided in this podcast are intended as general guidance only and are subject to change without notice. The views presented during the podcast are those of the presenter as of the date this podcast was recorded and do not necessarily reflect official positions of Equifax. Investor analysts should direct inquiries using the contact us box on the investor relations section at Equifax.com.